welcome to As the Worm Turns. You are tuned in to KVNF's live call-in gardening show. I'm your host, Jill Spears. I'm here with my favorite organic gardener, of course, Lance Swagger. Good evening. Good evening. Glad to have you, as usual. And special guest tonight, Chris Sullivan from Mountain Oven Bakery and Millhouse here in Paonia. Good evening, Chris. Good evening. Thanks so much for having me. Welcome to yeah. As the Worm Turns. Really excited to be talking with you tonight. Um, we are a live call-in show, so I invite listeners to give us a ring, ask Chris some questions as we talk about what's going on at the Mountain Oven Bakery here. 970-527-4868-866, KVNF now, worm at kvnf.org. If you're not in Paonian, you don't know, Friday mornings are the place to be, <laughs> or the place to be, is Mountain Oven Bakery here. It's quite the scene. Yeah. yeah. You head over there, don't you, Liz? Yeah, I go all after the main crowd, though. Oh, okay. 9.30, <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to talk about it. That is their big retail day. But let's talk about how you got started, Chris, and um, your passion for not only baking, but agriculture, farming, and gardening. And I think that's what really maybe sets you apart from other bakeries. Yeah, sure. So... Thank you for uh, having me on the air. We love the show. Um, and, you know, as you said, we both myself and my partner, Dana, um, in addition to being bakers and millers, we are avid gardeners. And we both came to the profession from a background in small scale agriculture. Uh, Dana was a farmer for a number of years. And I, in college, was studying agriculture from a sociological perspective, looking at how different models of agriculture facilitate or constrain relationships between people and the place that they live um, and people in their communities. And, you know, I've had some really profound um, experiences working with the land and with my hands in the soil and those experiences earlier in life gave me a very clear message that my path was to be working with food. I did not anticipate that that would look the way that it does as a baker. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, but life unfolds in right. these ways that we cannot necessarily anticipate, of course. And um, I absolutely love the craft and, and the art involved in, in baking and so as my life has progressed early on in the uh, time that I moved to Colorado, I started to bake bread um, just out of a home oven to give to, give to friends and new friends and neighbors as a way to say hello. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, wow. Welcome wagon. <laughs> yeah, it's just a nice way to get to know your neighbors. And that was back in 2009, um, moved to Crested Butte and... Uh, pretty early on, people, you know, started to give some very positive feedback saying the mm -hmm. bread was great. We should, you know, try to get this out there a little bit. So started to bake for the farmer's market up in Crested Butte in 2010. And from there, the business has grown slowly, slowly over the years, um, initially renting a kitchen one night a week from somebody else, um, then starting to do a couple days a week, a little wholesale and eventually running a farm to cafe market, um, doing breakfast and lunch and baking up in Crested Butte for four years. 
That's intense. Yeah. It was yeah. it was a whole lot, uh, a lot to manage, and way more uh, work than any uh, human should be required to do. Yeah. Right. Um, so fortunately, that uh, that phase came to came to an end, and in 2018, Dana and I moved over to Paonia, and since we've gotten here, we've just been embraced in a really, really wonderful and heartwarming way by the community here. And we've shifted the model of the bakery. So now we are working primarily as a wholesale bakery, um, distributing in the Valley here, as well as in the Gunnison Valley. Um, Soon we'll be starting to send some product out to Montrose and Grand Junction. And then we do retail uh, one day a week at our bakery on Friday mornings. Uh, it's a really super fun community event from 8 a.m. to 11. And we also have a self-serve bread and pastry selection available for people to shop directly with us uh, any day of the week. Okay. And, th- and that is at the bakery? That is at the bakery. Yeah, we're at 395 Clark Ave here in Paonia. Um, we're a little bit off the beaten path, off off of the main street, but just a few blocks, drive down third, take a left on Clark, and we're in the first warehouse. Um, mm-hmm. you, you can't miss us there. Yeah. yeah, And you'll see the crowds on Friday morning, so you just <laughs> yeah. follow the chain of people going in. Um, yeah, so you shifted your model, and you're actually called um, Organic Bakery and Mill House. So tell me about the Mill House piece of it. Yeah, so we are, in addition to sourdough bakers we are flour millers so we operate a flour mill in our facility and our uh, goal is to be a hundred percent fresh milled flour bakery um, working with local and regional grains we are working towards that right now we mill a majority of our flour i'd estimate approximately 60 percent of the Mm -hmm. flour that we're using in-house is fresh milled yeah, and so we call ourselves a mill house um, because we house a mill. Um, we have a really wonderful flour mill. It's a a stone mill. Uh, it's manufactured in Vermont, and basically it has two giant granite stones. Um, they're each four feet in diameter. They weigh like thirteen hundred pounds each, <laughs> um, and one of them is stationary. Uh, that's the bed stone, and then there's a stone that rotates, that's the, that's a runner stone. And they both are cut with that sort of like traditional millstone pattern. Uh-huh. If you've, you mm. know, kind of like have a vision of like an old millstone sitting on the side of the road, you know, wow. it has those grooves cut in it. And the grooves are cut in such a way that the grain enters into the eye of the stone in the middle and gets pushed out to the edges and gets ground finer and finer. So by the time it's get gets pushed off of the stones, you can produce a really nice, fine mm-hmm. flour. Wow. And the benefits of stone milling are also that you have like increased nutritional value. You're milling the whole grain and you retain the oils and the germ and a lot of the minerals and fiber mm-hmm. that's in the bran by doing that. I, I just, what, are you doing that slow enough that it doesn't heat up real high? So... I would not say the stones run slowly, okay. Uh, but we do monitor the temperature, and okay. a big part of why the mills made the way that it is with those stones being so large and so heavy is that you know twenty six hundred pounds of granite 
is a substantial amount of material and it yeah. takes a lot yeah. of friction to yeah. heat that okay. up. Okay, got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Wow, fascinating. And you're using the flour in your baked goods and product, but you also just sell flour itself. Yeah, we do. We have bags of flour available. Um, they are sized for home bakers. So one kilo bags, two kilo bags, um, you know, 2.2 and 4.4 pounds respectively. Um, we have a few different flour options available for folks. We make a, the primary flour that we use for our bread program is a sifted bread flour. Uh, that is Basically, we mill the whole grain and then we put it into a drum sifter and the sifter mm-hmm. removes kind of the biggest pieces of bran from that. So you don't end up with a white flour um, that's made in a totally different um, manufacturing technique. You end up with what's called a high extraction flour. So it has basically 80 to 85 percent of the weight of the an initial grain that goes into the mill comes out in the sifted flour um, so it has some of the bran it has all of the germ it's a really really delicious mm-hmm. flour it has a, about 80 to 85 percent of the nutritional value of the whole grain flour as well but with the performance closer to a white flour so that's that's one of them then we have whole wheat flour we have rye flour we have a flour made from a specific heritage grain called Rouge de Bordeaux um, that's grown by immunity farms. Um, we were out there this spring. Yeah, we went we to saw a, that. a farm oh, tour there. Yeah. 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 Steve just dropped off a couple barrels of wheat earlier today to us. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. And I've, I've seen your bake. You also had Sonora and white wheat. Yep. And then mm-hmm. for the pastry production, we have a white Sonora and that uh, is a soft white wheat. Um, it's a, it's another, uh, it's another heritage grain variety mm-hmm. and it is a lower protein wheat. It's really so delicious, and we use it extensively in our pastry. Um, so if you're, you know, as a home baker, if you like to make cakes or pancakes or waffles or muffins or cookies or scones, this is a really, really fantastic mm-hmm. flour. And it's cool because it's, as a white wheat, um, it can be, it has a much lower tannin content than the red wheats. And so it's a lot less bitter. So you can use it as a whole grain flour and people won't even know. Wow. Yeah. Delicious flour. <laughs> I love that food has come to this place mm-hmm. where there's so many different options and things that you can try. I mean, it's super exciting yeah. if you want to make it. I'm just shifting just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, this goes back to, you know, um, we call it sourdough. In your thing, you call it natural leaven. And there's yeasted. What is the difference? Yeah, sure. So sourdough and naturally leavened are somewhat synonymous terms, um, depending Mm. on the uh, production specific techniques mostly involved in like what temperatures you are holding your dough or your culture at and what sort of hydration, how much water you're putting in. Um, Sourdough alludes to the fact that in a sourdough culture, there are wild yeasts as well as bacteria, lactic acid producing bacteria. Mm -hmm. And those two different types of microorganisms coexist very well together. And the bacteria primarily produce 
lactic and acetic acid. So through their metabolism, they are producing acids and that sours the dough. So that's okay. why sourdough has a little bit of tang. It has that amazing aroma mm-hmm. and that complexity of flavor that you really cannot get with a straight yeasted bread. Um, naturally leavened is kind of a descriptor of the same thing. You know, this is a <laughs> okay. this is a wild uh, a wild fermentation process mm-hmm. that is a naturally leavened product. So. These two terms are kind of synonymous. Naturally leavened is maybe a little bit broader because you can make breads and um, bread products that are naturally leavened using a quote-unquote sourdough culture that is not particularly sour. Mm -hmm. So the sourdough is kind of a misnomer sometimes because you can manipulate the hydrations and the temperatures to not produce a lot of acidity, but still use a naturally occurring culture to produce the the breads. Oh, fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeasted products um, is generally referring to using a baker's yeast that's cultured in a food laboratory environment and then dehydrated. And then you can, you know, like buy a sachet of it at the store. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Five two seven four eight six eight eight six six KVNF. Now we're speaking with Chris Sullivan from Organic, excuse me, Mountain Oven Organic Bakery and Millhouse here in Paonia. Um, you've got this mill process going on, and you mentioned um, immunity farms. Um, so that's one of your missions is to work with local growers and have that be not only a source for your products, but for the community in general. Yeah, for sure. Um, It's a big part of why we do what we do um, is to try to facilitate a more direct relationship between our work and the folks that are bringing our bread home and sharing it on their table and having a sense of really where that bread comes from. You know, they know us, we're the bakers and we are the millers and the wheat may be grown 10 miles down the road in Hotchkiss. And to be able to bring a greatly shortened supply chain um, in a transparent way to a very essential element of life which is feeding ourselves um is is really special uh we feel really lucky to be able to facilitate Mm -hmm. that you know and obviously you know we are embedded in a community of people that cares immensely about that um and that's why we're here and that's why we're all here you know around this table and generally speaking so many People that choose to make their life in this valley are here because and we all value that connection to place and food. Mm-hmm. And so for us to be able to kind of help bring the grains back into that is something that we uh, feel honored to be able to do. Grain is obviously a the cornerstone of our most people's diets. Um, and it's been maybe the last sort of part of, you know, our diet to really get some time and focus in like the farm to table movement. Mm 
Um, and there's a lot of reasons to that. I'd be happy to talk about them, but it's a it's a challenging and costly endeavor to to get into on the production side as well as the processing side. So. Wow. Yeah, that connection piece, I think that you just realize it more and more and more as we meet people out here who are mm-hmm. farming. And um, does anybody come to you and say, hey, what kind of grain do you need? Um, yeah, yeah. Fre- frequently, actually. Right. Um, we are very actively looking for more growers right now. So if you're listening and <laughs> you've got, you know, anywhere from, you know, a couple acres to substantially more than that and you have some um, knowledge base and equipment to support growing and harvesting grain then we definitely are seeking more growers and we do have people that that come to us and are you know say hey what are you looking for and I'm like well quite a number of things actually you know <laughs> we've got a great line on some you know hard red weeds and a white sonora and but you know we actually don't right now you know tangible examples at the moment you know we're looking for a really good source a local grower for um, a couple varieties of barley for hollis oats for durham wheat or corazon Um, and there's a number of other red wheats both heritage and modern varieties that i'm really interested in and having in the bakery Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's all over isn't it (laughs) Yeah, there's so much diversity so much. in grain. Yeah. Yes. Diversity. I yeah. mean, I have four types of barley. I mean, mm-hmm. and I'm just a garden grower. Right. Right. You know, right. But well, you're you're a, a bit more than just a garden <laughs> grower. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. Okay. <laughs> now I know you've been giving um, uh, Chris and Dana some poppy seeds. Poppy seeds. Yeah, I see that. That was a hit, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was a huge hit. I mean, I just think it's so cool. Like every time we're working with your poppy seeds, I'm like, this is amazing. Lance grew these and cleaned them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he brought us this jar and it's just absolutely beautiful and delicious. And so, yeah, last month our croissant special was a lemon poppy meringue. And so Mm -hmm. the, the, the filling was made with um, Arizona citrus, lemon curd, uh, lightened with some whipped cream and with some of Lance's poppy seeds and um, topped with some toasted meringue. And it was, yeah, Ooh, it was really yeah. good. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, as far as the green goes, um, you actually have a grant to help expand that whole piece of your business and help to grow the local grain economy here. Yeah, so we are uh, lucky recipients of a grant from the Colorado Department of Agriculture. It was their farm-to-market grant program that they ran a few years ago. And we applied to receive some funding to support this local grain economy project. Uh, What we are doing with the local grains is uh, quite capital intensive to get going um so we got a loan um about four years ago that helped us purchase the flour mill that we have and this grant is going to support purchasing a bunch of auxiliary equipment to kind of increase the storage capacity that we have on site and the ability to clean grain on site and the ability to move it in a way that is less physically demanding. Right now we receive grain in 2,000 pound bags on pallets and then 
we kind of move it around in the facility just using five gallon buckets once we get it. Um, that's a lot of lifting and we mm-hmm. can definitely lift a lot, but, uh, as we're trying to get to the point where we are hundred percent fresh milled and having flour for our bakery, as well as home bakers and other professional bakers in the region, that is going to be, you know, in the neighborhood of 150 plus thousand pounds a year very soon. And that's more than we would like to be lifting over <laughs> our heads to put in the mill hopper. Yeah. So getting some equipment for conveying and bucket elevators and screwogers, um, a grain cleaner, and uh, we will be putting up a storage silo outside of the uh, bakery and mill house um, to hold, uh, it's a thousand bushel silo, so about, hold wow. about 50,000 pounds of, of wheat. Wow. Oh, how exciting. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, it's That's, super exciting. Yeah. It'll, it'll go up this spring and, um, you know, fingers crossed, we will be filling it with uh, local grain come August. Oh, mm-hmm. that's super exciting. Yeah. Can't wait to see that happen. Hey, we've got Valerie on the phone, which um, she has a question for you, Chris. Hi, Valerie. Hi. Uh. I was wondering if you have ever heard of or considered helping facilitate a grain growers cooperative to help with harvesting equipment and processing equipment, because I think that would um, incentivize or make it easier for a lot of growers to get into grain growing. Yeah. Hey, Val. Um, so Valerie. Oh, sorry, Valerie. Uh, (laughs) so this is definitely something that we have thought about ourselves and have been involved in some conversations with other local growers. Um, because as you said, there's, there's really substantial hurdles to getting set up for grain production. Um, the equipment that you need for planting, for cultivating, for harvesting are all fairly uh, unique and they're not really the types of um, equipment or implements that you're going to find on a vegetable farm. Um, Mm -hmm. So there is some equipment sharing um, that a couple of our local growers do with one another. um, And I would also say that there are some challenges that we have not figured out, nor have our community really figured out how how to facilitate like very fluid sharing of especially combining machinery. Mm. Um, those combines are quite large, um, and so some of them are too big to bring on the road, um, and others it can be challenging to coordinate for times of harvest because harvest time generally kind of consolidates um, to to be (laughs) about the same window Um, for, for growers. If there's spring planted grains um, regardless of the variety. And so Mm -hmm. some of our like Steve and Ann and immunity farms, you know, prior to them having their own, uh, their own combine were, you know, leaning on some other community members to help get going. And that was challenging to be able to have the equipment on site when they needed it, because when the grain is ready to come out of the field, if it does not come out, yeah. especially if it gets wet, then there's really substantial loss in quality. Um, and sometimes it's not functional for baking. So that is a part that I would say wonderful idea idea very happy to have 
any conversation, um, come chat. If you have any ideas, please. Um, and we haven't figured it out yet. Um, we are trying to do what we can to help facilitate some of the uh, increased availability to get into this um, project with us by putting a grain cleaner in our facility. So that's one of the pieces mm. of equipment we'll be installing this spring. And so that at least if you know growers can get the product out of the field and harvested, it doesn't need to go through a cleaner, which is another specialized piece of equipment or multiple pieces of equipment. Yeah. We can take it in the bakery and we can clean it either for, um, for our use or to, to send back out for somebody else mm-hmm. to use. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like maybe grants from like the extension service or the state or something like that for combines would be the most useful. Yeah, it'd yeah. be really cool if, if, if we could figure it out mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Valerie. Thanks, Appreciate Valerie. the Thanks. call. I just remember, this is not a great thing, but the orchard guys on Rogers Mesa got together and bought a cherry shaker mm-hmm. for sour cherries. Mm-hmm. And when it was time to harvest, they drew straws. Oh my! Wow. Yeah, similar, similar sort of yeah. things. Like yeah. you gotta get it off the tree. Yeah, yeah, but they were all in the same area. So, but that's how they did it every year. They, you know, and there's not as many sour cherries out there right, right. now. Unfortunately, they yeah. make the best pie cherries. So there's yeah. you've got good momentum going here, and I think that this whole valley is all about um, community and mm-hmm. food security and resilience, and mm-hmm. and we're moving that way. So yeah. I can see that happening. Um, let's talk, Chris, about your Friday mornings and how your bakery works over there so that everybody can get a chance to taste some of your stuff. Um, Fridays is the big day where the community comes out, and that's when you're open as a retail establishment, right? Yeah, so um, I'd preface just by saying we're, we're open every day of the week for self-serve shopping. Um, so we have a bread shelf, a little pastry case. You can come in. It's honor system, self-serve. Um, there's bags of flour, so if you're, you know, ready to mix up some pancakes and don't have what you need in the pantry, swing on down. Um, then once a week on Fridays, we do a larger retail event, and we set up with our full line of pastries and a wide selection of breads. Um, we've got croissants and danishes and cinnamon buns and scones and cookies and pies or cakes and a wide selection of sourdough breads and quiche and breakfast burritos and uh, coffee and you know we kind of just do a little cafe basically on Friday mornings Um, Mm -hmm. we open at 8 a.m. and we are like fully set up doing the retail event until 11 Um, after that you can still come in but it'll be more of the self-serve model at that time Friday mornings are super fun. We have a lot of the community show up and, you know, it's a family event. So there's a lot of uh, young families that are there, um, kids and folks that, you know, just sitting around a table and catching up and having a cup of coffee and a croissant. It's a wonderful. And they can play chess. Yeah, there is a chess board. (laughs) Great place to hang out. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can come by at other times during the week, and um, it is self-serve and honor system. So that's super cool. And you restock it, too. So Yeah. Yep. So we stock the bread shelf and the pastry case um, on Fridays after our event, as well as Monday mornings is all stocked fresh. Okay. 
And that space that you're in, you actually have a um, commercial kitchen there that is available for people to rent. Um, can you tell us just a little bit about that? Yeah. So in our facility, we have a uh, community kitchen, and that's a separate kitchen from the bakery kitchen. Um, and it's fully equipped with all, you know, commercial tables and commercial cooktop and ovens and dish pit and all the stuff that you mm-hmm. need. And that kitchen is available for folks to rent either by the hour or by the day um, or longer term tenants. And it's shared on a shared calendar. So, you know, you may be renting it one day a week or just for a one-off event. Um, it's really intended for the community to have access to a commercial kitchen to get either a food business launched or for producers to have a space to make value-added products. And it's uh, quite a reasonable sort of um, expenditure and in the it's like 25 bucks an hour for four hours um, or twenty dollars an hour for eight hours minimum or if you're in there more frequently it's it's less than that so you know it's really expensive to get into the food business because of how capital intensive mm-hmm. all the equipment purchases are so being able to test a model out by um, walking into a space that's fully equipped and the lights are on and the water's yeah. flowing is, is yeah. great. That's a great community resource. <laughs> just all these connections to the community. Um, I just love it, what you're doing over there. Yeah, yeah thanks. It, it's what makes the work so meaningful for us. Right. And, right. you know, we are in the optimal place for that because this community cares so deeply about um, all of what you were saying, you know, the just resiliency and the sense of interconnection that is true whether or not we acknowledge it is Mm -hmm. very much acknowledged and celebrated here and we are so lucky to be a part of that absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely so fortunate that you and dana are running mountain oven organic bakery and mill house over at 395 clark avenue you can also go to mountainoven.com and learn a little bit more about what they have going. And um, looking forward to some good baked <laughs> goods and look, looking forward to that silo going up. That's going to be super uh, exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Chris, for being here. And Lance, as usual, good to have mm-hmm. you. Yeah, it's always fun. Yeah. And we will be back next week mm-hmm. for another edition of As the Worm Turns. So thanks for listening to KVNF. Thanks right. so much. Yeah. And have a good evening. With daylight neon, you've got a cute vest pocket master, which you can make both slow and faster. I don't know who you took a shine to, or who you're out to make a sign to. I gotta get that I love so, though little window.